Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Bible Quest, the Wednesday edition. We're really glad to see everyone and have everyone on. After a two-week break, we're back. We're continuing our study on the fruit of the Spirit. If you'd like to get a Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 5, we're going to pick up there in just a second. Uh, today, we have joining us on the podcast, Jeff Smelser, who is back from a trip. How's it going, Jeff? Great. Very good. If I can just get one thing accomplished, namely to get this on speaker view, it'll be going exceedingly great. Okie dokie. Um, are you talking about I need to do that or is that something you're taking? No, I'm trying to do it. Um, oh, okay, gotcha. And then uh, while Jeff is figuring that out, we'll go ahead and bring Joe on as an afterthought. Joe, how are you today? Oh, yeah, I am here. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, was, I was so engrossed in watching Jeff uh, work on this. Uh, uh, he, he's just such a uh, technological marvel. Yeah. Doesn't it make you feel better about yourself? <laughs> no you know what Je chase i'm going to be kind today oh, oh wow wow well that's oh, a good that's choice <laughs> that's a good choice because that's what we're going to be talking about today so then that means jeff you're going to have to be mean to show the opposite of that no um, no i'm going to be good oh wow okay well then that means i have to be evil and mean uh so that i can be the opposite of both of those you know the two men idea was something that jesus often used in his teaching well, uh, this brings us to Galatians 5, and uh, guys, let's go ahead and, and get the context in. Uh, Galatians 5, we're going to start reading in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunken, uh, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So guys, one of the things we've been emphasizing throughout this podcast and series has just been how these are all deliberate choices that we get to make. Uh, just like the works of the flesh are things that, that people get to decide about, so is the case with the fruit of the spirit. Um, it's not just a passing feeling that we get to one day be kind or to one day um, to, to be patient or, or long suffering or anything like that. But there are deliberate decisions that lead up to being these things. And if we are walking by the spirit, if we're looking to the Lord and his word, then these should be things that manifest themselves in our lives very um, deliberately and by making those kinds of choices in our life. And so uh, today we turn our, uh, our attention, excuse me, to the subject of kindness. And so as we've been doing with each of these guys, just from the get-go, what words, phrases, or ideas uh, come to your mind when you hear this word? Well, for me, um, and, uh, you know, I've done a lot of work on Ephesians over the last several years, and having, having you know, when any, you could take any book of the Bible 
And if you just put a lot of time in that book of the Bible, it's amazing how everything else that you study will relate to that book of the Bible or parts of that book of the Bible relate to everything else you've studied. But when I think of kindness, one of the passages that I first think of now is in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7. And I'm going to start back in verse 5 when, where it says in Ephesians 2, 5, even when we were dead through our trespasses, uh, God supplying the term God here, made us alive together with Christ. By grace have you been saved and raised us up with him, with Christ, and made us to sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. The idea here is a couple of ideas, but it's, it's really impressive to me, the idea, it has an impact on me, the idea not only that God was being kind uh, toward man, but Paul is saying that he has shown this kindness toward those who are the recipients of Paul's letter, so that in future times, uh, we could look back and look at this as an example of God's kindness, a demonstration of God's kindness. Of course, that gives us hope about God's kindness toward us. So to me, all of that says magnanimous, I, I almost said the word correctly, but and I'm not sure how, being magnanimous, that's what I'm trying to say, and the noun would be what, magnanimity or something, uh, that graciousness, that willingness to forgive, to overlook uh, sins. Of course, God doesn't just ignore our sins. He's punished them in Christ Jesus, but it has enabled him to forgive us. That's kindness. And then we're called upon to be kind. You know, I think about what this, our, our world uses the phrase, a random act of kindness. Um, and really with God, it wasn't a random act of kindness, but it is the one and only act of kindness. It was the, the biggest act of kindness that had ever been done. Um, it was so selfless. And I think Ephesians here points that out. Um, a couple other places. Hang on, I'm going to sneeze. Sorry about that. Uh, Ephesians chapter one, Jeff, um, in verse six or var, verse five, excuse me. Um, he predestined us to abdo- adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. And then also there in um, verse nine, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. Is this the same word being used in two seven that you just pointed out? Uh, well, in two five, you have a word that uh, very literally <clears throat> just breaking it down would be um, a- according to the good thought or something like that, according to the good pleasure of his will, and then in two seven, um, uh, where is it? Yours says kindness in verse seven. In two in two seven. Oh, you said two seven. No, no, I'm so sorry. I looked at chapter one in verse five and yeah. chapter one in verse nine. Oh, verse nine. Was, Warning where, where, in progress. So in both. Like, was... Boy, we're having all kinds of issues here. Yeah, no idea. So both of those, one five and one seven, use the same word uh, as each other, but there is not the same word as in two seven. In two seven, you have uh, a word that maybe one of the most fundamental or or 
foremost meanings would be kindness. Here you have good pleasure is a way that you could translate the word in, in one five and woods one seven. But of course, if it's your good pleasure to do something good for somebody, I guess you could by definition say that's kindness. <clears throat> okay, I gotcha. So I, what you're really hitting on, Jeff, as you thought about the word kindness is your mind immediately went to Jesus, um, went to what he did for us. And what the, the benefit of being in Christ is, is the receiving this kindness of the Lord. Um, well, well, and the idea that kindness is associated with uh, forgiveness. Again, uh, looking, oh, okay. um, looking at Ephesians chapter 4 and the last couple of verses there, uh, you have this idea of kindness, be kind one to another. Um, and then he talks about forgiving one another. Yeah. Yep, that, that's exactly right. And that's important to think about. I guess I hadn't put it or thought about those two things being kind of hand in hand with one another. But as I think about some of the kindest people that I know, um, they're also very forgiving people. They are people that, that don't hold grudges against you. But when you've asked for their forgiveness, they're gracious to you. And so that's really cool to think about those two ideas together. I hadn't thought about that. Um, Joe, uh, did you have anything on just whenever you hear the word kindness, what, what kind of comes to your mind? Uh oh, Joe, you're muted. It's okay, Boomer. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. Uh, we're going to manage to get Joe muted. <laughs> that, was, that was not a very kind thing to say. I, I, I was, I was going to say when I hear the word kind, I think of Chase, but now no longer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what you started uh, to say. So interesting, Jeff made the connection that, you know, as he studies Ephesians and he sees all these different connections and so forth, uh, just recently uh, went through a, a short study of the book of Ruth. And I think in the past, when I thought of kindness, I thought of things that you say, but kindness in the, the book of Ruth is, is more about the actions, the, the kind actions. Um, uh, for example, in uh, Ruth chapter three and in verse 10, Boaz says, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning and that you did not go up to young men, whether poor or rich. So kindness is something that's shown not just in words, maybe not even primarily in words, but, uh, but in the things that we do, um, uh, particularly in light of, of what God has done for us. Uh, the book talks about, uh, opens with the idea of Naomi wishing kindness from the Lord uh, upon her two uh, daughter-in-laws in Ruth 1 and in verse 8. Um, and then you have that same thought again mentioned in chapter 2 and verse uh, 20. Um, uh, blessed, are, uh, blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and dead. Um, so it, it seems like kindness is, is much more, particularly in that book, is much more than than just something that's being spoken, which I think has a connection maybe to Proverbs 31, the, the uh, virtuous woman. Do you, I, I don't want to get ahead of you, Chase. Do you have that one on your... No, that's, that's perfect. So I was going to move into the Proverbs after this and just look at what the Proverbs say about kindness. So go right ahead and take us there. So Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman, uh, worthy woman in Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. In verse 26, it says... She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is, uh, the New King James says, the law of kindness. Um, uh, the New American Standard says the teaching of kindness, but in the, in the marginal reference or the footnote in the New American, it says the law as well. 
Um, and so I, I like that idea of the law of kindness. There's, that's not an option. That's, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a law regarding that. There, there's, there's a standard of kindness. Yeah. So, so let me ask you guys a question about that passage. We're talking about uh, Proverbs chapter 31, verse uh, 26. 26. Do you think that that saying that this worthy woman is someone who teaches or, or uh, imposes the law of kindness upon her children, she requires him to be, them to be kind, she teaches them to be kind, or do you think it's saying that in her own actions, in her own words, in her own conduct, there is this rule of kindness that characterizes her, which, which of course, then by example, would teach others. I, I, I think it's the latter. Um, you know, it seems to be parallelism. The first part of 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom. And then the second part on her tongue is the, the law of kindness. Um, uh, I know the, it's a little bit different in the New American, the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. But I, I would sort of make them as, as parallels with the, the idea of what's in her mouth. Um, so that's the way I read it also. That's the way I, I've assumed uh, we should understand it. Um, but I don't know that I had a real uh, strong argument. The parallel that you point out, I think that's helpful. Um, but I, I had taken it also to mean the way she conducts herself, the way she speaks, she speaks with kindness. The way she treats people in her household, she treats people with kindness. Uh, it, it, it seems to match the, the, the quality or the characteristics of her all throughout the, yeah. that set. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, for me, I also think about the surrounding context of this worthy woman that her, her husband trusts her. She's respected in the community. She's a fantastic mother. And just thinking about instilling that, that kindness in her children is also coming to mind for me because I mean I also think about some of the the kindest women that I know um nine times out of ten their mom is also someone you would say boy she's just the sweetest lady and where where did that young lady learn that from but the teaching of kindness from her mother but, but I think it's worth sitting on this just for a moment I mean this passage is about a woman uh it, it, I think the same point could be made about a man but it's specifically about a woman in the context of her family relations. And oftentimes, uh, where is it we fail to be kind? To our family. So often we can put on a good front, we can manage to be kind, we can behave in public, but we may snap at people in our own household. Um, and, and we may think that what we're doing is we're disciplining or we're scolding and, and there's a time for discipline and there's a time for scolding. Uh, but what should characterize us in the way we treat those in our own household should be kindness. Mm -hmm. So, uh, guys, let me ask this question as we're looking at the Proverbs. I'm leading somewhere with this. So, if the world could character, uh, char characterize, let me get that word out first, Christians, if they could choose one word to describe who or what kind of people Christians are, do you think kindness would be one of the first words that the world would choose to describe Christians by? Should be. Sandra, I would hope so. Sandra, one of our listeners or viewers, um, or listeners, I'm not sure which, but she makes the point, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. So you would expect that kindness would be her character, talking about this worthy woman. And you could say the same thing about a Christian. Um, you would expect that kindness would characterize a Christian 
what comes out of the mouth comes out of the heart. And so our words should be kind if our heart is what it ought to be. So why do you think Christians don't get the, the reputation for being kind? Well, that's a hard question to, to answer. For one thing, when we talk about Christians and reputation, we're talking about who the world perceives to be Christians. Um, and of course, we can deceive ourselves. But, but you know, when the world, when you, how many times have we heard somebody say, well, so many Christians are hypocrites. Is, is that, first of all, is that true? Are Christians hypocrites? Yes, they can be. I don't think so. You don't think Christians can be hypocrites? I think if I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm not a hypocrite. In other words, my point is, how are we using the term? Um, if When the world uses the term Christian, they're just saying anybody who professes to be a Christian. And there are a lot of professors who are not characterized by the fruit of the Spirit because they're not walking by the Spirit. They're walking by the flesh. But if I am truly a Christian, a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Christ, I'm going to be walking by the Spirit, and the fruit is going to be there. So it kind of goes back the very first week we started talking about these things. I think we made the point that these are things that will characterize my life if I am led by the Spirit. Yep. Uh, absolutely. And so I guess what I was getting at with this is I, I think the world in general they don't describe us as kind because they don't like the truth that we teach or they don't like what we're presenting or what we're living out. And so they just perceive us as not kind people if we don't conform to what they believe or to what they think. And I find that really interesting that there's kind of the, the world looking at what we call truth and saying we're not kind because of what Proverbs 3.3 3 says. Um, guys, if I were to say, uh, go ahead and look over at Proverbs 3.3. 3. We're going we're gonna to read it in just a second. If I were to say, do not let truth and blank leave you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. What do you think might be paired with the idea of binding truth around your neck and never letting it leave you? If, if you could make this verse, what would you say? Well, since you told us to look at it, if I looked at it, I dare not say I would make it be anything other than what it okay. is. <laughs> but I don't think, so let's go ahead and read it. And everyone that's listening will now understand my point. Uh, Proverbs 3.3. 3. Jeff, you want to read that for us? Yeah. So do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating that uh, truth and kindness both go hand in hand with one another. Uh, when it comes to hanging on and clinging to these two things. Because if we're going to be presenting the truth to a world that does not want to hear the truth, we better be sure we're being kind while we do it. I do think Christians have gotten a bad reputation because sometimes this is something they're not so good at. They're, they can be good at presenting the truth, but doing it with a lack of grace and not enough kindness as they're trying to offer up um, what the truth is. And that's not to say that people and folks won't get mad at them still, even if they are as kind as they possibly can be. Um, but I do think it's something we need to be aware of, that truth and kindness go hand in hand. Uh, Joe, do you mind to read Proverbs 14.22? Sure. 14.22. Um, uh, so this is a New King James. Uh, do, not, uh, do they not go astray who devise evil? But mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. I think mercy there is your kindness. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. So the New American Standard there would say, will they not go astray who devise evil, but kindness and truth will be to those who devise good. I think it's cool that those two ideas go together um, of kindness and truth. Uh, Jeff, did you have something there? I was just thinking it was, it's kind of interesting that some translations translate this kindness and some translate this mercy, uh, because again, we seem to see a, a nexus or a connection between the idea of uh, being merciful or forgiving charitable in that way towards somebody and that's that's kind and that's what we see in ephesians in ephesians 2 7 and in chapter 4 at the end of chapter 4 there also yeah yeah that's really cool and tying the idea of kindness and forgiveness together again wouldn't have been something i had thought of so i appreciate you pointing that out jeff um the one other passage in proverbs we'll look at here is in proverbs 19 verse 22 it says what is desirable in a man is his kindness and it is better to be a poor man than a liar. Um, it's desirable to be a man of kindness. And uh, it's just important for all of us Christians to ask ourselves, is that how the world would describe us? Or my coworkers or my family or whoever, would they describe me as a kind person? Or would they describe me as a cranky person that, that is constantly going around griping about stuff and is just mad and, and finding the next thing to be upset about? Now, this is interesting because the New American Standards has a note that says, or loyalty. Well, those two ideas seem different to me, kindness and loyalty. Joe, what do you have? Uh, so I think it's curious to think about the, uh, the latter part of that. A poor man is better than a liar. You know, is, is, is that verse intended? Or are those supposed to be two different disjointed thoughts? Or is... A somebody who's telling the truth, you know, somebody who's not a liar and maybe becomes poor or or doesn't become rich, but you have that again, maybe that loyalty um, uh, uh, is going to supersede the desire to gain something. I don't know. That's a good question. Next time I'll remove this verse out of the study. No, I'm just, just no we, we, should, we just need to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's really helpful to, to consider the broadness of, of being kind. You know, it, it, it needs to take, you know, uh, a, a premier spot in regard to um, not just what we do, but why we're doing something. So even going back to those previous verses on, you know, teaching the truth, what well, we need to do that in a kind way, as you, as you described it there, um, we don't, we're not looking to just win a battle. We're looking to save souls. And so we're, we're not trying to just defeat them. Uh, we want them to find victory in Christ. And so we're, we're going to be kind about those things, even when other people are ugly. I, as you all were talking earlier, I, my mind just kept coming back to the cross and, and the expressions of kindness by our Lord as people were manifesting hatred and violence toward him. Yep. Uh, yeah, and that, that's exactly right. It, kindness is such a choice in that moment for Jesus. I mean, if there was ever a choice to be kind, it would be in the moment of his tremendous suffering. Uh, guys, do you all have any other uh, comments here on um, on the Proverbs and what they say about kindness or any others you want to add? No. no. All right. So I want to shift our attention over to 
the kindness of the Lord. Because I think one of the greatest ways we can learn to be kind is just by looking at the kindness of God, um, by looking at the cross and looking at passages like Romans 2. Um, so if you guys want to look over at Romans chapter 2. And uh, Jeff, if you would read verses 1 through 4 for us. All right, Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I was looking something else up, but here we go. Romans chapter oh, 2, verses 1 through 4. Chapter 2, 1 through 4, right? Yes, Wherefore, sir. Wherefore, thou art without excuse, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest dost practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against them that practice such things. And reckonest thou this, O man, who judgest them that practice such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? I need to do a better job of remembering what translations you all used. So no, I'm sorry. So normally when I read from the, I use the American standard. Normally when I read from it, I... I change all the these and the thou's and the judges and the doest. I got started in that one and I didn't until the very end. And so I felt bad changing midstream. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it is all fine. And I'm not even talking about your these and thou's. I just, uh, so in, in my verse four, New American Standard says, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Um, I was just going to ask the question, how does kindness, how does the kindness of God lead someone to repentance? Well, the, one of the great themes in, in the Bible, and one certainly in the New Testament, is that our repentance, and I think that's what Paul is saying here, our repentance should be a response to uh, what God has done for us. When we contemplate uh, God's willingness to provide this sacrifice to take away our sin, when we contemplate his willingness to give us eternal life in spite of our sin, uh, we should be moved by that, and our, and our response should be uh, repentance. It, you know, we, again, I talk about Ephesians, so that's how Ephesians is set up, the first three chapters, look what God has done for you. And in the last three chapters, therefore, walk worthily of your calling. His kindness, goodness toward us in Christ uh, calls for a response, and the appropriate response is repentance and walking in his ways. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. And I want to tie this over to Matthew, the 11th chapter, and what might be a Greek fallacy. And so we're, we're live going to see whether or not this is a Greek fallacy or not. Um, so look over at Matthew chapter 11. Um, so J Jeff is going to, I almost said Joe. Jeff is going to call me out if I'm wrong about this. And so I don't think I ever got his approval on this, but it's something I found out um, when I was doing this study months ago now. And I thought this was pretty interesting. Look over at Matthew 11. And as we're thinking about the kindness of God leading us toward repentance and thinking about God being kind to us, Matthew 11 and verse 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jeff, if I'm not mistaken, the word in verse 30 for easy 
it is very closely associated for the word kindness used in Romans 2 verse 4. Am I right about that? You are exactly right. And I think that's a fascinating idea because if I, if I can, and tell me if I'm wrong, reading verse 30 as, for my yoke is kind and my burden is light. I think you could go there. I think that's interesting to think about with the world and the different things it's been offering us and the different things we might be turning to, those things are not kind. Those things are a burden. They are weighing us down. They're keeping us from serving the Lord the way that we should. But the yoke that Jesus is offering us, it, it really is kind. It's easy and his burden is light. That's the kindness of God that we're talking about here. He's giving us a, a way out of the, the weighed down nature of sin. Um, and that's the kind of kindness I, I think we're looking at here. So am, am I understanding that right? Yeah, as a matter of fact, going back to that's the same actual, that's the same word that is used in a passage we talked about earlier in Ephesians chapter 432, where, where the New American Standard says, be ye kind one another. It's, it's apparently a word that has to do with a goodness. Uh, you know, good can be a wide variety of things, but, but one aspect of goodness or one way to be good is to be kind. So, All right, good deal. So I'm not a heretic? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, I said heretic, not hairy tick. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so all right, it's good interesting deal. to tie those two things together because what's the next item that's listed in the fruit of the spirit after kindness is goodness. And so, you know, these, these things are blended together. You know, you, you don't have one without the other when we're talking about these products of the spirit dwelling within us. Um, the, these things are overlapping and, and show a complete individual, I think, the, the character. Yeah. Well, guys, we have 15 minutes left, so it might be good if we move right into talking about goodness here. Do you all have anything else you want to say about kindness? Well, I guess I should wrap it up a little bit better. With, um, so the, the reason why I wanted to talk about the kindness of God is the kindness of the Father is what's going to motivate us to show kindness to other people. And so as we're talking about walking by the spirit, making these deliberate choices, if we can spend more time reflecting on the kindness of God, I hope it will inspire us to want to choose to be kind to other people and stop thinking about ourselves as much and start thinking about other people. Um, I remember in Acts, the ninth chapter in verse 36, whenever uh, Tabitha first dies, it tells us that they were, um, Acts 9 verse 36 in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is Dorcas. And the woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. Kindness was a way that it described her. I mean, that, that was what people knew about her. And so I hope we can get to that point as disciples as well. So uh, maybe that's a better way to wrap up the, the idea of kindness. Anything on, on that? That's good. Okay, so... This word goodness um, in Galatians chapter five is uh, kind of hard to wrap your head around the idea of showing goodness, um, at least for me that it is. Uh, I think some of the other words that come to mind for me are, are righteousness, like correct, morally upstanding, like, I don't know, just the things that are right, the things that are just and good. But the world has their own way of defining what is good. Good is relative to the world. There's really, there's no standard for what is good. Um, or good is just defined 
by what the majority thinks or feels or does. But how is the Christian to define what is good? God always needs to define it. And, and it's defined both by God and through God, through his son. Yeah. And so I think about 3 John 11, beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. God is the ultimate standard for us coming back to determine what is good and what is not good. Um, I mean, this is exactly what Jesus said to that young man who called him good teacher in Mark 10. God said, no one is, or Jesus said, no one is good, but God alone. Um, so he's the standard we have to come back to, uh, to determine how to be good, even ourselves. Um, and so we, we can be good kind of in two ways, in the way I behave and in the way that I treat other people. Um, and so thoughts or comments on the idea there overall so far? Well, one of the things I think is helpful in considering about this goodness of God is that God's goodness is not a, an action or a, or a reaction to what others are doing. It is a, it's the result of who he is. Sometimes we might think of doing good to somebody because they've done good to us. Certainly the Bible talks about that. I think Matthew chapter five, you know, is pretty helpful in this regard to goodness. Uh, 43, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for you, those who spitefully use and persecute you, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. I, I like how we need to be good like our father. Our father is good both to the good and to the evil. Uh, you know, so I don't just be good to people that are good. I need to be good. Uh, that that I, I need to imitate Christ, not mirror what others are necessarily doing around me. Yeah, very good. And that reminds me, very good. Uh, that reminds me of James 1, 17. Uh, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Uh, with whom there's no variation or shifting shadow. Um, and so all, all that I have that I consider good is just a reflection back to, to God and who he is. And so God um, chooses to be good to both the righteous and the unrighteous. Um, and so, to, to kind of along the same lines, Romans chapter five and verse seven, scarcely for a righteous man will one die. For peradventure, for the good man, someone would even dare to die. Maybe somebody would give their life for a good man, but that's not what happened uh, in the sacrifice of Christ. Verse 8, God commends his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So in contrast to, as Joe put it, God's kindness, his goodness is not a response to our being good. Maybe somebody would die for a good man. That's not what God did. God commended his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Excellent. Excellent thoughts, guys. So let's uh, talk about for just a second uh, how we are going to show goodness in our lives. Um, it's, for starters, it's in the way I behave, being a good person. Um, let's look at Romans chapter 12. We'll look there toward the end of Romans or midway through Romans 12 and then there at the end. Romans 12 uh, verse 9, 
Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Um, and then ju jumping down there to uh, verse um, 19, uh, TJ Sadler actually brought this up in the Facebook comments. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, this kind of goes back to what Joe was talking about there in the Sermon on the Mount, that uh, even when, when someone has done evil to me, the, the rest of the world would say, how can I do evil back to them? But the Christian that's trying to exhibit this goodness has to slow down and say, well, how can I do good to them? Um, how can I encourage them? This goes to the idea in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Um, that, with, and that is one of the most difficult things and yet most fundamental things that, that I think we all have to work on in coming to Christ is this idea of not retaliating, not turning, not, not returning evil for evil. This idea of somebody mistreats me and instead of returning, retaliating, I have to be good. I have to be kind. Amen. Where would we be if God returned to us the same amount of evil we did to him? Yeah. We'd be nowhere. We wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't even be here right now. Um, and if we were, we'd be a miserable, wretched people with no hope. Think, think about the times. Think about the times we get bent out of shape, that we just get so angry, that we just, we come home spewing. We come home steamed. We come home, uh, we're just in a bad mood. Why? What, what is it that often puts us in a bad mood? Somebody mistreated me. And, and how much better off would we be if instead of getting peeved about it, I mean, we all get peeved about things from time to time, but if we could, as a rule, respond with kindness, say, okay, this person's not acting right, but this person is a creature of God for whom Jesus died. Um, and just rise above it. Uh, that kind of kind of connects me to Romans 16. I might be a stretch here, Jeff, but just what you said. Romans 16, verse 19, uh, as Paul is wrapping up this letter. For the report of your obedience has reached to all. Therefore, I am rejoicing over you. But I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. Yeah. This, this idea of being wise in what is good, it is so hard sometimes to know what the good or right thing to do is in those moments where we're steaming or fuming or mad about something. There's some but, people who are very wise in all the ways to be evil. <laughs> they're very, they're very learned in how to get revenge, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so how can we be the person that is wise in ways to do good in those moments? And uh, I think there's probably a couple answers to that. Uh, first off, wisdom is applied knowledge knowledge comes from God. So if we will read about God, if we will read about the times where he is good, then hopefully that'll shape our thinking whenever there's an opportunity to do what is good. But second is just life experience. Um, the, the more opportunities you're given to do good, um, instead of seeing those as just moments to be mad at somebody or be steaming or fuming, see that as an opportunity to learn this trait of doing what's good in that moment um, and get better at it. And so uh, anyways, I just really like that phrase of, of being wise in what is good. You know, if I can jump ahead here, 
Yeah, go ahead. In, in, in a lot of these things that we're talking about, um, kindness and goodness especially, and we're talking about our interactions with other people who may not be being good and who may not be being kind. And, and when, when we feel mistreated, part of the problem is you, this whole contrast is a contrast between walking by the spirit or walking by the flesh. It's a contrast by choosing to do God's will or following the passions of the flesh. And where Paul is going to conclude all of this is in verse 24 when he says, they that are of Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and the lusts thereof. So, so we get into these situations where someone else's actions might elicit an inappropriate response from us, not a response that we would associate with fruit of the Spirit. And the question is, have I crucified uh, the, the flesh and the passions and the lust thereof or not? Have, you know, Paul says earlier in the book of uh, Galatians in chapter 2 and verse 20, it is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. I have been crucified with Christ. And so that's what we have to think about when we become Christians and we are buried with Christ in baptism. We become a part of that in death. We, we are crucified with Christ in practical terms. What that means is we have to put away some of these passions, some of these natural. Yes, somebody says, but it's natural to respond. Yeah, yeah, it is. But we have to recognize that becoming a Christian is putting to death some of those things that are natural. Mm -hmm. Well said. And it might might be helpful. Uh, let me just jump back quickly to the, that passage in Matthew five. Um, uh, I failed to finish that thought there. Um, at the end of that section, he says, "Therefore, you shall be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect." And I think we understand that that word "perfect" is the idea of complete or mature. In fact, it's translated as mature in some of the passages, First um, Corinthians fourteen, I think. Um, at, I heard one definition of it here in the context that completeness is complete in goodness. Um, and to me, that's really powerful to, to consider that I need to, I need to develop maturity in my goodness. And, and I would just suggest that with all of these qualities of the fruit of the spirit, all of these different items that we're talking about, one of the two, two things that I think are key one is imitating Christ. I'll come back to that in just a second. The other one is surrounding ourselves with other people who have these qualities. You know, if, if I am just constantly around people who are not good, people who are not kind, um, then it's going to be really hard for me to do that. But, but I need to surround myself with good people. The other thing I think that is helpful, and some people will, will sort of bristle at this idea, but there was a really popular thought a long time ago, uh, probably before you were born, Chase, um, uh, about WWJD, what would Jesus do? Um, uh, and uh, I remember hearing various Christians talk about, well, we ought not to say that because what we ought to do is just say, what did Jesus do? Well, I get that. But the fact is, Jesus isn't, I don't have an exact parallel to what's happening to me to what happened to Jesus. And so I need to look and see, based upon the things that Jesus did, what would he be doing right now? What would mm -hmm. Jesus do when some, uh, say, some smelser says something that's not nice to me? Um, oh, smelser. <laughs> uh, it's the first name that came to my mind. Um, 
Jeff, Jeff, what's your middle name? Well, I'm not sure I want to divulge that. It'll give Joe one more name to use. <laughs> it's Todd. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought maybe it was Dale, and I was going to say, WWJD, what's wrong with Jeff Dale? But Oh, man. Hey, so on Matthew 5, Joe, think, think about this, and, and this is not at odds with what you're saying, but in Matthew chapter 5, he's talked about, you know, God's love. It, he, he sends his reign on the just and the unjust, or let's see, how does he say it? He makes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends the reign on the just and the unjust. I, I think in that context, when he says, if you'll love this way, not just those who love you, but you'll love everybody, then you'll be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. You're right. It means complete. If I just love those who love me, my love is not complete. It's partial. It's a partial love. It's just loving those who love me. But God's love is perfect. He loves everybody. And I need to have that kind of love. Well, well said. Yeah. One, one last comment we just got in uh, was right living helps to produce kindness and goodness. The more right living through Jesus Christ, the better we are to each other and to those in the world. And man, that, that is exactly right. And so uh, let us strive to be good and kind this week to uh, one another, to our families. And uh, as we're about to celebrate Thanksgiving, all of us, we can be thankful that we have a God that has been so kind to us and good to us. Amen. Amen. Lord willing, next week, we're going to continue this series on the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to be talking about faithfulness. Lord willing, next week. Thank you all for your kind attention today. God bless.